You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Frank Rivers. Frank, brother, can you hear me clearly? I can hear you fine, brother. How about you? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you fine. I just wanted to make sure I didn't get a chance to test before the intro. So let me go ahead and get this intro off, and I'll bring you back in. And for everybody out there listening, welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. As every Saturday morning, we are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I am so glad to be back with you. Unfortunately, had a loss of the family last week, and so I think it's only the third Saturday we've ever missed in the last seven years of doing this on Blog Talk. And uh, so thank y'all for being loyal listeners. Thank y'all for being back with us. Have a, a, an amazing show planned for you today. Got another special guest. I'm hoping to get on. Hope everything's okay. Um, but I'm glad to have back, as you just heard me mention, Brother Frank Rivers. He is my special guest today. Uh, you may have been fortunate enough to hear this brother on the show before. Uh, a wealth of wisdom this brother brings to pretty much any topic we want to bring him on. I'm glad to have him come back. Uh, you know, we had such a good time. He asked to come back to a degree uh, from the last time that we had him on. This is a brother I love following. Um, but before I even introduce him, I'm going to go ahead and um, let y'all hear the title of the show for those who may have missed the promotions. And this morning's discussion question is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community is trauma bonding bond beneficial or detrimental to the black community. But without further ado, let's go ahead, Frank. Um, say hello to the truth seekers and the intellectual outcasts is what I'm starting to call the audience as well. Um, but if you will, King, say hello to the truth seekers. Give people a little bit of your background. Um, I will tell you, you know, some of the things you've been writing. Again, I love following you on social media, prompting me to bring you on as a special guest. So you weave in whatever about, you know, about your background that, you know, that, you know, if you had to guess what made me bring you on. So just add that to your background because, um, again, I just love following what you do. But tell them about views from the man cave and anything else that's a part of what you do. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So I just want to say good morning to everybody. Um, I am I am Frank. 
I am the owner and the creator of View from the Man Cave. Um, that is my channel on YouTube. That is that. Uh, that is the handle um, on all of my social media accounts where I talk about everything related to masculinity and manhood, um, responsibility and respect, um, provision and protection. So um, I just, it, it, it's funny, it's ironic that we're doing this topic today because I started my platform and I started really posting and doing some of the things that I've been doing because I got tired with this trauma bonding. You know what I mean? I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to do something um, and just let the people know um, some of the things that I've learned over the course of my life. Uh, you know, being a, being a family man, being married, being a father, having two beautiful children, um, being somebody, being someone that's traveled a lot. You know, I've, I've traveled all over the world, been to five, five continents. Uh, I have two left to go, Australia and, and uh, Antarctica. I'll get there. But over nice. the course of all of those travels, um, over the course of all of those travels and all of those experiences, I've just gained a wealth of knowledge, and I just felt that it was only right for me um, um, to let some people know um, some of the things that I've been through, some of the things that I've overcome, and, uh, with the attempt, um, with the hope that I can help them to be better versions of themselves. So that's all. No, I love it. Um, it fits right into what you're talking, what you just said. It fits right into our mantra here at uh, Mental Dialogue, a public in a sense, motto is all I ask you that you think. Um, but ultimately, I tell people, I say, if you think about the name itself, mental dialogue, and what I like to, the way I like to describe it, and, this, and I think this re- really relates to what you just said, is if we can help you improve the conversation inside your own head, you will be better. Therefore, the community will be better. So to a degree, uh, I think we have, we're, in my opinion, I think our missions are aligned in the effort to help, in a sense, others as long as myself, because I'm a part of this, you know, this is my journey as well, so I like to make that real clear. Um, you know, I'm not coming from a position necessarily of authority. I just think that we could talk to people like Frank, who have that wealth of knowledge, who has, that, in a sense, that um, global experience. Uh, sometimes, you know, um, some of the things that, when you start, say talking about trauma bonding, sometimes some of the things that you trauma bond with can simply be um, coming from being limited on, on your travels, being kind of stuck in the area, living in a particular city and haven't even explored that city, if you will. And so there's a lot of trauma bonding that hate takes place, if you will, in in those environments. And so the opportunity to speak to someone like Frank uh, or, or a therapist and things of that nature, because we, we bring a lot of therapists to our conversations. I'm hoping to get one on today. So hopefully we can um, you know, be fortunate enough to, to get Dr. King on today. And if not, we, you know, myself and Frank will be able to handle it. But ultimately, uh, for those regular listeners, you know, y'all call in and give us your three cents this morning on the discussion. Um, but ultimately, again, I think uh, when I follow you, Frank, I feel like to a degree we align in our effort to sincerely, in a sense, help our people. And so uh, when I called you and said, hey, is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? Do you mind being a guest on that show? Can you recall your very first thought when I said, hey, can we do this one? I can. Uh, I was excited about it. I think it's a topic that's very important, um, and I think it's something that, you know, we need to discuss as men um, and and collectively as as black people. You know, we've been through a lot of trauma. We've been through a lot um, in this country um, for a long time. And it's created a lot of trauma, um, and, uh, and and I just want us to talk about and, and come to an understanding and come and come to an agreement on how we need to best deal with that trauma, 
in order in order to benefit ourselves and our people. And so I was very excited about it. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of tired of, you know, the routine conversations that I see on social media, you know, on YouTube, Clubhouse, all that kind of stuff, you know, the, the gender warring, the back and forth, the, you know, women don't do this, men don't do that kind of conversations. And so, uh, you know, it's starting to get old. Well, honestly, it's, it's always been old. So, uh, so when you came to me and you asked me about this topic and if I would be willing to come on the show, I was excited about it. I, I was elated um, because it's something that I'm very passionate about. And, and I think it's time. I think it's time for us to, you know, start having real conversations and, and come up with some real solutions. No, absolutely, and and that, so that's why I absolutely pegged you. Um, I'll even give shout out um, to another guy I follow, um, Eli Marcus, and I highlight that because um, for all of my life as an African American in particular, whatever the issues or the buzzwords or the issues of the day, and some of them have been continuous throughout my life as far as concerns when it comes to if you if you will systematic systematic racism and things of that nature. So there's been these ongoing conversations. And um, I'm highlighting that, brother, because I had never heard the term trauma bonding until recently, and, and, and I, in the recent, in a few, in the last few years, I would say. And so, and you know, and we're definitely in the age of where various things get labeled, and some of the buzzwords um, seem to have good meaning. And we've had different shows where we broke down, like, okay, this this particular word is not necessarily what you think it is when it comes particular to our community because um you know there's a lot of effort if you will that goes into some of some the descriptions for various things that happen um currently just things you never talked about or never specifically got into it and and, and trauma bonding itself um I thought was unique uh, unique just from get putting the language to it and then once I came to, in a sense, understand what it was, it was like, okay, this has been happening, in a sense, all our lives. We just never referred to it as such, right? And so, um, again, so I just wanted to give credit to that brother because he was kind of the first person I heard introduced that way. And so um, to do talk about this show, I want to make some give, give a piece of clarity. We're going to go to break. When we come out of break, I'm going to give, in a sense, the definition of trauma bonding, what it is, which typically applies to individual relationships. However, our context today is to talk about how it applies to the broader group. So uh, for anybody that tuned in and wanted to get an understanding of exactly what we're talking about, I'm not talking about the individual trauma bonding that we will clarify and speak to because that's what it aptly applies to, but unfortunately, I think, Frank, um, you would agree uh, that to a degree, African Americans or black people specifically in America, uh, we almost have a trauma-bonding relationship with the country and even white people, if you will. And so just to be clear today, um, this dialogue will be talking about it from a group perspective and not the individual perspective in which the word, you know, came to terms with. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, 
All I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreg Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoregedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Frank Rivers, host of Views from the Man Cave. This morning's discussion question, is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? Just to provide, a, again, a piece of clarity, we wanted to talk about what it individually is, but again, I want to apply it to the group, but again, just want to get the definition out there. And so here's just something I found on the internet, just explaining trauma bonding, if you will, um, again, more from an individual perspective. Trauma bonding is a powerful emotional attachment that stems from the cycle of loving behavior and abuse. The victim can struggle to make sense of the strong emotions they feel as the subject of both abusive behavior and intense love and kindness. Oftentimes, the relationship begins with intimacy and love before the abusive behavior develops over time, making the victim struggle to reconcile the strong attachment they form with someone who also does bad things. People want to feel love so they can be inclined to stay with someone who does at times show them affection and kindness, even if there are other unwanted behavior. So if you will, Frank, that's the definition specifically as it applies to individual and individual relationships. But I offered that to a degree as African, as, as black people in America, we have a, in a sense, trauma bond with the country, if you will. And in particular, sometimes we look at it as a black and white thing with white people. So um, I, I, th- I think you would agree that we could appropriately apply trauma bonding, you know, from the individual to our group. Your thoughts, King? Absolutely. Um, black people in this country have um, have been the victims of trauma on a myriad of levels, um, whether it be racially, uh, whether it be with our relationships and, and things like that. And so a lot of times, you know, it's, it's very detrimental or it can be detrimental because, you know, we focus on the trauma instead of focusing on the solution. So we focus on treating the symptoms of some of the things that we've had to deal with as opposed to uh, dealing with the actual condition. Um, and so we do that on a national level, on a cultural level, and then it just seeps down into our relationships. And so um, that's the danger of trauma bonding because it kind of rocks us to sleep um, and it doesn't allow us to seek out solutions and to become better. We just uh, want to be loved, you know what I mean, and we want to be comfortable in the situation that we're already in. So we try to find as much comfort as we can in the system, even though we know that that system is not designed to benefit us in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so that's the detriment, and that's the, the dark side um, to, to uh, trauma bombs. 
No, absolutely. I think a great example, unfortunately, we just had the shooting in Buffalo, right? And so I wanted I want to highlight, again, we're going to talk about this on all levels. Uh, let me go ahead and give out the phone lines for anybody that may want to get in. I see some callers jump in and out. So um, if you are wanting to get in, um, the number is 646-787-1691. You will have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Uh, but, again, we're going to talk about this from all type of angles. And so, unfortunately, the shooting in Buffalo, uh, we also understand, if you will, uh, the, 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 the politics and the powers that be, if you will, understand, unfortunately, how to take advantage of the trauma, traumas that we experience and the trauma bonding that, in a sense, our, our community, our race has with the country, right? And so a perfect example, um, unfortunately, again, um, you know, the tragedy of Buffalo is what it is and we lost those lives. But playing to that trauma bonding is, for example, just calling it what it is, the president showing up in the area to make a speech about how terrible the shooting is and about how terrible the white supremacy is. And so it plays to the emotions of that terrible tragedy that unfortunately, based on our history, we can relate to, we can feel bad about. And so the president, if you will, plays to those emotions. However, before that moment, you know, from the day that, if you will, he's been in, there's been huge critique of any policy that has been directly related to our community and where are those promises. Um, not that it's new that, a pro, in a sense, a politician doesn't keep a promise and things of that nature. We're used to it, if you, or if you will. However, we emotionally quite often play to it, and there's such an understanding of it that they play on the trauma bond, bond that we have. So unfortunately, I think it's that 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 is an example, and I can show an example on both sides of it. If you want to say, um, you know, Joe Biden, if you look at it as a liberal or a Democrat, if you will, the exact same thing showed up. I talked about this on my just my three cent show on Wednesday night. The exact thing thing shows up on the other side of it um, when I'm listening to a conservative radio, if you will, because I like to, again, as always, listen to what both sides are saying so I can have my own thoughts about it. As I listen to conservative radio, highlight, for example, just just a couple of days ago, highlight that there's, there was a, there's been 150 murders in Manhattan this year. And so while in the midst of this tragic that side is playing to the emotions for those who disagree with it and saying, hey, well, what about the 150 murders that have happened in Manhattan at the moment of the tragedy? Both sides are playing to the emotion. There's no actual solution or fact in both sides play, but they understand this trauma bond and play us with it. Your thoughts, King? Sure. Um, so just on the political side of the game, um, you know, we just uh, we just celebrated the birthday, uh, the 97th birthday, I believe, of of Malcolm X, you know, who's a very uh, revolutionary brother, um, you know, did a lot for the culture. And, um, and he, he broke it down like this as far as politics. When he, when he talked about Republicans and Democrats, he, he, he said that they were the wolf and the, and the fox. Mm-hmm. And so as it relates to black people, you know, we really have gotten to a place where our trauma bond is so strong with America that we don't really want or expect America to do anything. We just want to be comforted. You know, we want to be held. You know, we want, you know, we're perfectly fine with, you know, politicians putting on kente cloths and praying and not doing anything, you know, from, from the position that we've allowed them to be in. And so 
you know, we, and so they are, the Democrats are the Fox. You know, they're the ones who speak very softly. They tell us what we want to hear. Um, you know, they do all of these things. And then, and the Republicans are the wolf. You know, they don't sugarcoat anything. They tell you exactly how it is. They tell you how they feel about you. They're not really going to do anything for you. Um, and so you know what they stand. And so um, our tumble bond is so small that we become okay with that. We become okay on every level, whether it be uh, politically, um, socially, economically, in the, even in our relationships, we're okay with being sued. We're okay with being sweet talked um, and not expecting anything. You know, so uh, um, so that's right. You know what I mean? And, and um, even in Buffalo, you know, with everything that happened, um, with things that happened in Charleston, every time something happens, you know, we're we're quick to we're quick, uh, excuse me, to run and say, hey, you know, I forgive this person. You know, let's just come together. Why can't we get along? You know. There's no strong, consistent fight for for a change in the policies, the you know um, gun rights, or, or you know the ability for certain people to be able to get a weapon, or economics, or redistribution of the wealth, reparations, all these things. These things are left at. If they even talked about it all. The main thing is just for us to say, hey, look, you know, just love me, you know, just hold me, treat me nice, um, or at least act like you want to treat me nice. You know. You don't really have to do it, but just make me feel good. Make me feel good. Make me feel better about the condition that I'm in that you have out of. Out of, but just make me feel good about it as best as you can. I'll be okay with that. And that's the condition um, that we're in right now. And that's you know, and and, and I really don't see any um, or a strong attempt for us to uh, to change that condition, unfortunately. And and that's where the dialogue, right? The change starts with awareness, and so. Um, I think it would be hard for anybody listening to disagree that that's not the condition, right? And there's plenty, you know, we're not the only people that in a sense feel this way, but our concern is that in a sense, as you say, we've become so okay with it. And so it's almost like, okay, recognize that you've been okay with it. And here's another example. Um, uh, I remember I had a brother I used to do when we do our live events, have these soapbox dialogues. I'm hoping to have one later this, uh, later this year, but this one brother, um, one of my members, by the name of L, he did a show, and it was right after the um, the situation where we lost a brother in t- Texas. Um, and, um, his name won't slip my mind right now, but the lady went into his apartment by accident or whatever and ended up killing. But um, oh, it was about to come back to me. But Botham, Botham, somebody, um, Botham John or something. I think his name. But he ended up doing this piece where he talked about um, should we forgive? Are we too quick to give? And this soapbox dialogue was highlighting that there's a that the the, the quickness to forgive, especially so immediately before there's even been necessarily sometimes an apprehension or a result. He's basically was breaking down that even that is a trauma response. So so you got those who are quick to forgive, and then those who are mad about those who are quick to forgive. So it ends up being two extreme trauma responses, and we go right into the mode, and you're going to do that if you're not aware of forgiving before you even process the emotion. This is almost with any type of trauma that happens to you. But, again, talking about us as a culture, if you're not aware that that's a trauma response, you might be the one that jumps out there to say, we're going to forgive. And then the the response for those who are not forgiven or don't want to forgive or, or who are extremely mad at the person who does it, that ends up being a trauma response too. And and I'm highlighting that because 
personally, Frank, I don't get emotionally attached to the person who does the forgiveness because I know that's a trauma response. I don't get mad at them. It's very upset because I know if I get caught in that space, that also is a trauma response. So, again, the weaving and understanding this starts with the awareness, and I hope that's part of what we're doing with this dialogue today. Your thoughts, Ken? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's um, sometimes when I first hear it, I do get upset, you know what I mean, at the person who's, who's doing it. But I have to understand that, you know, they're victims of trauma as well. And so and, and what they're doing is to try to attempt um, to limit that trauma as much as possible. You know, if I if if I if I keep my head down, if, if I forgive the people who did this to me, um, if I act like I don't see it, um, then you know the hope is that they'll stop. You know what I mean? Or, or they won't do it as much. And so, I understand that. I understand that that it is a mechanism of survival. You know what I mean? And, and it's something that we've had to deal with um, since we've been brought here. You know what I mean? It's you know, um, and, and I understand why. I mean, there's so many people who tried to rise up who say, look, you know, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. And we've seen what happened to them. We saw what happened to Malcolm. We saw what happened to, you know, Nat Turner and Martin Luther King and all these people who who, who, who stood up and, and were fearless. And so the fear is that of those people who were so polarized and had, and had um, inspired so many people, if that could be their downfall, you know, um, who am I to think that it wouldn't happen to me on a, on a worse level? I don't have the backing that they have. I don't have the support that they have. So I'm just trying to survive. And um, so I do understand it, but at a certain point, um, we have to stop with the trauma bond. We have to stop hoping that people are going to be nice to us. It's, it's pretty much like this. You know, in the animal kingdom, you know, I can't, if, if I'm a mouse, I can't be in a room full of snakes and then when I get bit, you know, wonder why they bit me. You know, at, at a certain point, I have to understand that, that, that that's what snakes do. Snakes bite. You know what I mean? They they eat right. they eat mice. They eat mice. And so I can't look and sexualize why they're doing it. It's, for some for some creatures, for some people, it's their nature to, you know, disenfranchise people. And so once you get to that understanding, once you lose that, once you get away from the hope of thinking that people are going to change just because you'll be nice to them, um, you know, then – you can attempt at that at that moment to move forward from the trauma bond and, and start to, um, you know, do some bigger and better things for yourself. No, absolutely. For those out there listening via phone, if you want to get in on this conversation, you have to press 1. If you're listening online and would like to get in on this discussion, please give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. What you're speaking to, Frank, right there, brother, is just – what happens is it ends up being human nature. It's, it's, a, it's a failure to understand human nature uh, it, it, to a degree, right? And so what happens is, I, I've talked about this on the show before, when you have this perspective of, if you will, race being a social construct. And so, with, and now, you know, and people are starting to maybe better understand that term because, you know, it's, it's a, in a sense one of those newer terms over the last five or ten years, if you will. Um, but if you don't dig into that uh, concept, explicitly, then you don't understand that even the view of everything in black and white was a narrative that was handed to you. And so when you fail to understand that, you start applying, uh, you know, like I say, I love that mouse snake analogy, right? I love the analogy, but you actually start applying the construct to a whole group versus understanding 
human nature of power versus non-power. And when you move it out of the context of your own world, and as you've done, had world travels, you end up seeing that this human nature plays out regardless of whether it may be race, whether it may be religion, whether it may be economics, whether it may be political affiliations and things of this nature. And so that's what's consistent around the world. And so as you said, Frank, when you, in a sense, can get further away from getting caught up that dynamic and wanting to label it, and as you say, getting in it, stand, actually acting from a position of fear, because as you said, I understand it too, but if you're unaware that you're completely acting from a position of fear, then you will accept the label of look at how they are and we would like for them to be nice. I'm pretty sure with, this, with the travels that you've had and the fact that you're helping people with this, you spend no time on that regardless of the latest tragedy that may happen in the news. Is that a fair thought for me? Again, outside watching, watch, you know, outside looking in, I couldn't imagine that you get caught up other than uh, to have a dialogue, this, a dialogue like this to help bring others further along and out of their fear and making them aware of the trauma, which, again, as I hope, is the goal of this conversation today. Your thoughts on that specifically, Kim? Absolutely. You know, I'm a person who doesn't live in fear. Um, I understand that uh, that was something that I had to develop over time because you want to survive. But I'm, right. I, you know, but listening to people like, you know, Malcolm and other mentors that I've had over the course of my life, I realized that if you're living in fear, you're not really living at all. You know what I mean? And so, um, and so you can't live in fear. You can't be afraid to stand up for yourself. You know, we tell our children all the time, but somebody, you know, somebody's bothering you, stand up for yourself. Don't let somebody push you around or, or, or punk you around. Um, you know, stand up for yourself. Be, be confident. Be assertive. And so, you know, the same, but it's like over time, we feel like as adults, okay, those things don't apply anymore because we, we've experienced life. We've been beaten down to a certain point where all of the things that we told our kids, we won't even do anymore. You know, uh, that's why a lot of these movements, um, for civil rights and human rights and things like that was started by the youth because the youth don't understand, you know, somebody pushing you around and not doing anything about it or right. somebody telling you that you can't do something. You know what I mean? So the, so the kids haven't lived long enough to experience, you know, some of these traumas. So they come out here and they're fearless, you know. And then over the course of the time, unfortunately, it's a lot of the elders and the parents who are saying, you know what, well, you got to tone that down. You can't do that. You know, you, you have to, um, you know, just – you know, just just watch yourself. Be careful because you know such and such can happen because they've experienced that before. So they're living in fear and they think they're doing the right thing by you know by trying to preserve you. But at the end of the day, they're not because if you're living in fear, you're not living at all. No, absolutely. Um, Hugh P. Newton said it best. The revolution, in a sense, will always be left to the young, if you will, because as you said, as you become older, you've gained little assets and things that you want to protect quite often, unfortunately. And so, so that comes into the play and comes into the dynamic, and as you say, you move into this space of fear. We are up against another break. Um, when we come out of this break, Frank, I'll be playing a cut, and we're going to kind of get move this conversation into pop culture and, and how it applies, not, you know, again, in the, you know, kind of give us some history. That's what we've done at this point. But now we want to get into some of the pop culture aspects of how this actually trauma bond plays out um, within our community. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask 
Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um, this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. If we didn't tell these niggas they had to make money, they had to be hyper successful, they had to get all the attention, they wouldn't make the music that gets the most attention, that quote unquote makes the most money. You get what I'm saying? They would just make music. They will they they will figure out what they want to do and what they want to make. But will you you a nigga say he rap, nigga, okay, I wanna see a Benz. Where's nigga, that train? Where's a nigga that can tell you yesterday, yeah, I'm about to start rapping. For sure, my nigga, where your car at? You eating, right? You a rapper. You got to have this. You got to have that. And like I said, that's why I be on niggas. Like, cut niggas want to call niggas artists. All this shit. Shut the fuck up. For black people in general, cut, we sell trauma. Every hot movie, every TV show for the majority. That's why Atlanta was so fucking important. And it has traumatic elements. But sure. it's not just straight up, nigga, my life is trash. 12 Years a Slave, that Turner movie, Django, Moonlight. Let's keep it going. We can all name one right now. For black people, the black business is trauma. That's what we got. Keeping up with the Kardashians, all these other shows, they having a good time. It's reality TV just chilling. We ain't, we can't even have reality TV where niggas ain't trying to squabble. We selling trauma. So you expect a nigga to not perpetuate that when they trying to get out of a situation that, that you tell them that they ain't shit until they get out of it. Until a nigga got money, bro, majority of the time, the way we look at it, and the, I'm talking for the consensus, not everybody. The majority of people, just from what I've seen, is until you got some money, you ain't shit. Funny thing about it is niggas are so stupid, niggas don't know where they come from and don't know we made everything. If all you can give me is money, man, nigga, fuck you. I can go find some money somewhere. But a lot of people don't feel like that. But you got to know your self-worth and your own importance. If we not, if we not solely motivated and we not tell each other, you got to get money, you got to get out. You got, you know, we tell, we tell these little girls they got to marry a rich motherfucker. We tell these little boys they got to be athletes. Like, if everything was so deeply rooted in attention and money, then I feel like we would be in a better place. Everybody's head would be better. And you could look at somebody who look like you, who is you, and not feel like shit because you look in the mirror and you appreciate yourself a little bit more. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? Our special guest is Frank Rivers, host of Views from the Man Cave, as we hear a cut from the young brother breaking down how he sees, again, bringing this to pop culture, um, what what's happening in our community. We're selling black trauma, if you will, right? Um, and at the end, he highlights what I think is the most important part is how we look at ourselves and it's the projection that we put out there, and 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 I think a lot of what we've been talking about, Frank, you know, as you said, living in fear, at the end of the day, is still rooted in how we see ourselves or the lack of how we see ourselves. Um, you actually put up a post a few weeks back specifically referencing what we're talking about now. I want the 
quote you real quick and let you jump in on your own thoughts in addition to what we heard the young brother just say. Um, anybody out there listening, if you want to get in on this morning's discussion, you do have to press one. All right. This is what you put out yourself, Frank, and again, I want to hear your thoughts on this. It says, you can hate the content created if you choose, but for me, I hate the environment we've created collectively that allows the creator to resonate with so many people. He and those like him exist because of because mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers are not doing their job. Fact is, we love drama. We love the show. We bathe in dysfunction. Regardless of how bad we know it can be, it doesn't stop us from engaging it. To be entertained by it, entertain folks with it for a profit. It's our weakness. It's our vice. We want tea instead of therapy and tranquility. The child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to fill its warmth. Embrace these youngins. Challenge them, respect them, and be honest with them while you have a chance. If not, our villages will keep burning. I could end the show with that thought, King, if you will, but I definitely love the fact that I'm fortunate enough to bring you on to speak on your words and how it relates to what we heard from that young brother. Go ahead, King. Again, appreciate you for being with me. Absolutely. No problem. You know, and now that I think about it, a lot of the dysfunction, a lot of the trauma that we see, where, you know, a lot of times when you go on social media, we don't see a lot of uh, a dialogue or conversations about topics that are really important to us. It's always about some level of dis- dysfunction, some, some type of... Hello? Yeah, you're there. You're there. You're, we can hear you, King. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's always about some level of dysfunction or some tea or what some celebrity said or did or something like that. And even that, um, that is, um, we do that out of fear too. I think that we're afraid to have real conversations. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, historically when we've had real conversations where we try to do real things to help ourselves, to help our people, um, you know, we we become attacked. You know, we become uh the public enemy number one. And so a lot of that is dysfunction and us rambling and fighting one another and going back and forth. It's just a it's a survival mechanism too. It's just for us to say, look, you know, to let the folks, you know, the powers that be say, Hey look, you can leave us alone. You know, everything that you want to do to us, we'll do it to each other. We'll fight, we'll kill each other, you know, we'll objectify our women, we'll do all these things to ourselves. You know, so just please like just leave us alone. You know, we know you could do it way better, you know, on a on a whole different level. But we'll do it to ourselves if you just leave us alone and don't bother us. You know what I mean? So even with that, that's a coping mechanism. That's a, a way um, to avoid, you know, having real conversations and, and coming up with, uh, with some real solutions. And that's why I, um, I spoke to that because trauma bonding, unfortunately, has become very profitable. You know what I mean? And so a lot of people are saying, look, you know, I don't really have hope in my people. So I'll just create some drama or I'll speak to drama, and we love drama, so I'll get a lot of people around me, and maybe I can make some money off of it. Maybe I can get some social currency off of it. You know, I can become popular and have a lot of followers and things like that. So it's very profitable now um, for us to just dwell in our trauma bonds and not have to and not try to solve anything or try to fix anything or try to help anybody. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's popular now. We know that, and so a lot of people who are in the position – um, to help aren't willing to do it because they don't really see the benefit or, or the, the financial benefit in, um, in actually uh, doing anything serious about it. 
No, absolutely. I definitely um, um, respect it and respect your words very much. Um, again, for the listeners out there, um, if you want to get in, 646-787-1691. Press 1 to speak with us. Um, still hoping to get my therapist on to add to this context uh, from a professional standpoint as myself and Frank just dialogue, dialogue about this unfortunate issue because I agree with you, brother. I agree with you that that um, we're not, it is a, a fear response. It's a fear response because as the young brother said, hey, let's just get money. And it's hard to tell, especially a young person, right? It's especially taught to tell a young person, well, since there is currency in doing this, and and for whatever reason, if I'm in a situation where I don't have a lot of money and you're not giving me a solution other than taking advantage of this environment as you spoke to that's out here, then, one, sometimes a young person may tell, say, you can't tell me nothing, and we, we get upset with that response. But what I love about what you said, Frank, is in that thing that you wrote on Facebook, you highlighted that fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers are not doing their job, and that's the reality. Like a lot of times we'll get frustrated, if you will, at the young person for, um, in a sense, disregarding a dialogue because we're only complaining at the result that they have, right? We're not approaching them or, or, or setting up to value themselves, as the young brother talked about, prior to even being put in this position. We're waiting till they've done something that now we have great disdain for and say, hey, this is detrimental to the community, and we try to check them at that point without a relationship built up. And so when a young person responds like, uh, forget you, I'm getting money, we'll say, hey, these young folks don't listen, don't listen. But I think you pointing out, where the failure happened is way prior to that moment. So I would just love for you to highlight that and reissue what it takes for the community if we say we care and, 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 and if we own up to the fact that we're living in fear and the solution has to be before the young person has already done something that we, one, don't like, or two, based on their life experience, it's understandable why they're pushing that 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 continuous narrative that we call detrimental to our community, but we lay the blame at the feet of the young person and don't really look at what we, the village, have yet to done to put them in that position. That's where I think part of the issue. We just love to leave it at the feet of the young people. Absolutely. You know, I've always taken the adage that if you're not willing to, you know, water the plant or to, you know, make sure that the foundation, make sure that the soil is, is good, you know, then you don't have the right to complain about, you know, how that plant grows. Um, you know, and a lot of us are, are in situations where we have opportunities to help, you know, those, um, those who are coming up behind us. We have a wealth of knowledge. We have a wealth of experience. Even if you aren't as successful as you, you know, hope to be or, or thought you would be, you know, you have a lot of experiences. You have things that you've gone through, um, you know, things that you failed at, things that you, you know, didn't do as well as your life, um, that you can help, that you can turn around and get back and say, you know what, look, you know, this is where I fell short. This is this, these are some of the things that I did, um, especially as it relates to relationships. You know, a lot of us as men and women, we've been in some relationships that, that didn't work out. And, you know, maybe it was our fault, maybe it was the young lady's fault. 
But instead of helping, instead of being honest and saying, you, you know, look, I made a mistake. You know, I chose her. She wasn't really the right one for me, and I knew it, but I stayed there because, you know, I just liked her, how she looked physically. And instead of telling these brothers the truth, you know, we're getting up here and we're creating platforms to bash women. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't choose these women. Like, we didn't choose these women. Like, we didn't have the option to not impregnate these women. You know what I mean? You made a choice. And so we have to be honest and, and, and tell the next generation coming up the truth. You know, uh, we don't have to brag and boast and make ourselves out to look like, you know, we're somebody that we're not. You know, just, just help. And if you're not willing to help them, then you don't get to look look at them from a distance and say, you know, well, look at how they're acting. Look at how they're running the street and, and you know, and knocking up all these young girls and not taking care of these kids when, when could have been there, at least to talk to them or pull them to the side. I'm not telling you to be anybody's daddy, you know, that you, know, uh, that you didn't help to make. But I think it is our responsibility. If we want to see better, we have to do better and help these youngers coming up to be better. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of that has to do with not just giving them something that we don't have, but just telling them the truth. Look, I made a mistake. You know what I mean? I, I thought that I could put the cart before the horse. I thought that I could go out here and entertain these women and focus on that as, a, as opposed to focusing on my business, making sure my money was right. And then when I finally got the woman, I didn't know what to do with her because I couldn't do nothing with her because I was broke. You know what I mean? And I couldn't take care of my responsibilities because I was broke because I didn't focus on that. So and that's the story, that, responsibility. That's the story that people are Absolutely. scared to tell. And that's the issue. That's how we're leaving. Like you said, you don't even have to be uber successful to give your story. You can talk about it while you're in it. And that truth can serve the next generation. So I love that thought. King, we're up against another break. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation again. Um, you know, just really trying to relate it to pop culture and continue along the, the, these lines. Is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? My special guest is Frank Rivers, Views from the Man Cave. Again, for the, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Please be clear, you have to press 1. I've seen several callers come on and off, uh, but make sure you're letting me, that you're pressing 1 because some people listen via the phone. So I don't want to bring you on unless you're trying to come on. If you're new, a new caller, please hear me clearly. You have to press one to give us your three cents. So again, for the callers that are jumping on, jump back on and press one and get in on this discussion with us. I think you're segueing us into a perfect um, situation, uh, which we were just talking about, Frank, if you will, prior to the break. 
And um, just thought it was worth highlighting. Unfortunately, um, you know, Kevin Samuels, that brother passed here recently. And um, unfortunately, his passing divided dynamic, which, you know, in a sense, was no surprise just based on, in a sense, how he had positioned himself and he had already become, you know, in a sense, whether intentional or not, divisive in the community with, you know, in a sense with that, with, you know, with his approach and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, what always came to mind for me, just to point this out very briefly, uh, what always came to mind for me, because um, I'm pretty sure you're like myself, um, I'm not, even with this platform, I'm not quick to speak on, on, you know, good or bad, in a sense, about others or whatever. It's like, can I deliver this, you know, these conversations without, in a sense, chasing the cloud of someone else, if you will, or whatever. Um, but unfortunately, again, it was pretty traumatic uh, for him to, in a sense, lose his life all of a sudden, and it created this um, environment on, you know, on the Internet, if you will. I know I always thought of it. I always thought of my approach or seeing Kevin as something that I've always remembered and tried to use on this platform is my Angelou's quote, who says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And so that's, in a sense, how I've always tried to approach these difficult conversations, um, whether it be about relationships or about our community. I've always, you know, tried to keep that in mind. And I think it may, it's fair to say that, you know, in his approach for whether you considered it successful or not, um, that's something that, you know, that, that brother chose not to keep in mind, you know, just highlighting that. But the bigger issue in relation to this show, in my opinion, is after he passed, you had the discussions about people, in a sense, who were celebrating his death, and then you had a big divide of those who followed and respected, in a sense, what he, in a sense, what, what he represented. And they, in a sense, backlashed against those who celebrated. And in that backlash, uh, it was almost like fervent support for things that were, in a sense, maybe not always that positive. And so when I look at that back and forth, here's my take, Frank, and I would want to hear your thoughts on this. My take is if you got caught up in the drama of Kevin Samuels' passing to where there was a dialogue about whether you were celebrating or, you know, even seeing, you know, the Internet would even like even people getting tattoos of Kevin Samuel, because, again, we can be very fervent about who we support. So if you got caught up in that dialogue after his passing, I think it's a prime example of what you're referring to in the post that you made as far as even getting caught up in the drama. And I would offer that if you got caught up in it and chose a side during that discussion, you are experiencing trauma bonding, whether you recognize it or not. Your thoughts, King? Sure. Um, first and foremost, you know, I want to say uh, rest in peace to the brother, uh, Kevin Samuels. Um, he was very controversial, obviously. Um, you know, he said some things that, you know, like, like all of us, um, some people loved him and some people hated him. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he said like he said what he felt like he had to say, and some people liked him and some people didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he attempted to create or cause division. But, again, you know, if, if you look at the course of his career, um, he, he became very popular and he became, you know, uh, a household name in, in social media, on YouTube and places like that because 
he he played to the trauma bond. You know, when he first started off, um, he was a guy. He he was he was an image consultant. You know, he told brothers to wear suits. He told brothers to you know put on a tie, smell nice. Um, you know, work hard, work sixty hours a week. If you don't have kids, if you don't have kids or a wife or whatever, you can. You know, you should be working sixty hours a week. You know, you should be grinding to 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 be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. And so, you know, he wasn't really as popular with that. You know, when he was doing that, a lot of men who who fell in love with him, who, you know, uh, were some of his, you know, most loyal soldiers in the end you know, about him in a disrespectful way in the beginning. They they were the ones who initially called him gay and stuff like that. But he, I, I think he understood, okay, if I speak to these traumas, you know, there's trauma. There's a lot of brothers out here who don't understand women who've uh, fallen short in the relationship game, and they want to speak to that trauma as opposed to getting better. They want to hear a man in a suit talk to women and tell them that they're average, that, you know, they don't deserve the type of man that they want. And so that empowered them. That spoke to their traumas saying some of the things that they felt like they couldn't say or weren't able to say. And so he was able to blow up off of that. And so, um, but, yeah, you know, on either side of it, I, I, I don't, um, I can't condone or support anybody celebrating somebody's death, um, especially not especially not um, him even as controversial as he was. But in the end, his, his platform and the success of it really speaks to the trauma bonds that, you know, that we have in our community. That, and guys can trauma bond too. If, if, he, if he didn't show you anything else, he showed you that men can trauma bond with other men. Oh, 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 you don't get the type of woman that you want or she won't cooperate with you. Mine won't either. I can't, I won't do that either. So here's a guy who's speaking to that on a large platform and really giving it to these women. And so let's rally behind him and let's defend him. And if anybody come up against him, you know, let's just, you know, let's troll them, let's 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 uh, disrespect them, whatever. And so that's the power of it. It's very profitable. It's very powerful. And so a lot of people, you know, even if they don't want to, they they tend to side towards that, you know, just to get their numbers up. And and and, and so that's the issue, right? The issue is being unaware that you're in the trauma bond. You know what I mean? Like like uh, to a degree, as I said, what if you chose a side? You're missing the boat. And unawareness of that becomes the issue. You 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 are experiencing trauma and you're trauma bonding so much that you don't understand you're the fuel for the money. The the, the unawareness of okay, this works. But jokes on you. It works on you. And to me, that's the dialogue, right? And I love how you highlight it. If if nothing else got shown, it's shown that men could trauma bond too, because as you said, it's not a thought that people really had thought of. And and those men, in a sense, in that situation, that are trauma bonding in the way that you're talking about, Frank, don't even realize how they're being looked at by the opposite sex that they still want to attain. They still want to have a relationship with and don't realize how they look because you're unaware of trauma. I mean, I, I guess, definitely wish I had my therapist on to kind of break this down, you know what I mean, outside of my, my layman perspective on it. But, I, I'm, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm speaking to a level of passion because I know it can't change if you're unaware that what you're talking about, Frank, that you're attaching to it based on your own insecurity. And I don't think 
people are aware of that's why it resonates. Absolutely. You know, in the end, a lot of people who, who got caught up in it on either side, they just wanted the other side to suffer. You know, at the end of the day, I, I wasn't really a huge fan. I had known about him for a long time. And, you know, I only listened to some of his stuff in clips, like clips that people sent to me. And, and he said some good things. I'm not saying that everything that he said was wrong. He said some good things. He said some harsh truths to a lot of people. And, unfortunately, a lot of us, you know, don't like to hear the truth. or We don't like to hear it um, in a certain way. But, you know, I, I just feel like um, – and then and there were so many people – who saw what he was able to do, and they tried to be many versions of him. You know what I mean? You go on these mm-hmm. you go on outlets, YouTube, everybody had a Kevin Samuels room. Everybody that's a content creator with a certain number of followers, everybody did a Kevin Samuels room. You know, whether they knew the man or not, you know, whether they were friends with him or not, everybody saw it because it was so polarizing. Like, I, I saw people, I saw one, one person um, that I'm friends with. She, you know, she, she's a great person, and she did a room – um, she did a show on YouTube about him, and this was years ago. And she had a small platform, maybe 100 followers, but she just hadn't blown up yet. And um, and she did a, a show about him, just put his name in the title, and that one show had like 5,000 views. And she, wow. she never had a, a room. She never had a room that had more than maybe 10, 15 views at all. I mean, some of her rooms were, have been months, have been right. months ago. And, and, um, and so people understand like that this, this, you know, the trauma bonds, the triggering, the gaslighting, like this stuff is very popular. And if you play into it, um, you you know that it's, it's detrimental to us because it's not bringing us any closer. You know, that's one thing uh, that I would have to ask anybody who's in a trauma bond, who who associates themselves with people who, who make, who make a, a living off of trauma bonds, ask yourself this, are we better? You know, are our relationships better? Yes, yes men are talking now more than ever. And women are talking, but are we talking to each other? Or are we still talking at one another? Are we better? Are, are our relationships better? And if they're not, we have to figure out and try to understand why. And it's because, and, and if uh, and if you believe that, then you'll realize that it's because we're trauma bonded. We're not trying to be better. We we just want to talk about things um, right. without any without any hopes of of changing the situation and making things better. It's just comfortable. And convenient for us just to talk about it and and pick it back and forth over it. And and, and it makes it makes me think of a, a, a comment I always say, and I and I definitely want to just hear your opinion. We got about a minute and a half to go to go to break. For the caller that just jumped on, if you're trying to get on, please press one. Let me know that you want to speak. I don't want to bring somebody on who's just using the phone to listen. So I just try to make that clarity because I just see people jumping in and out, and nobody's pressing one this morning. Kind of surprising me. Um, but with that said. Um, what you're speaking to, and I love the, the fact that you pointed this out, like you said, that to a degree, you know you can play off, off of it and monetize it. So you're basically acknowledging that if you're choosing to do that, you're choosing to make the money even though that you know that it's not beneficial. And a quote that I always say, and I think it applies aptly to what you're talking about now in a lot of other areas in our community when it comes to even people who so-called are offering solutions via rhetoric, what I love to say is perpetual struggle is a hustle. Perpetual struggle is a hustle. Uh, we got about 30 seconds, King. If you, any, give me a 30-second thought on that. We're going to go to break and continue this conversation. 
I love that. Um, that's all I wanted to say. I love that. It makes so much sense. It's true. Um, and, and it's why, you know, we're in the situation that we're in because it's profitable um, and it's convenient. Absolutely. So for anybody out there listening, sometimes if it's a bunch of rhetoric and you're following gurus that are always speaking to the the daily trauma that's happening or the issue that people are talking about the most, I love Frank's asking that question. Is it bettering enough? And if you can't come to that solution, you may be in a situation where somebody's playing up the perpetual struggle to make their money, and you actually are seeing them as a, a god sin or, a, or somebody with the solution or speaking the truth. You know, as again, nothing wrong with the truth, but I always, I always remind people, remember what Maya Angelou said, people remember how you make them feel. And so if you disregard that, then clearly you're not looking for solutions. You're looking to make that money. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Monday, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitts. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the community? Special guest, Frank Rivers, views from the man cave. And we've been going in depth. Again, definitely want to get you callers in. Please give us a call at 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 if you want to get in on this discussion. Um, as most of you know, for long-time listeners, I, I definitely, um, you know, haven't been able to track down my therapist. I like to have these conversations with a, a therapist on hand. I don't want to have uh, conversations. We all meant to dialogue, and so we typically try to have a therapist on hand and uh, wasn't able to work that out this morning. So me and this brother just kind of been diving through it with our best knowledge. Uh, again, Frank, given his background, uh, tries to have important conversations. We're dedicated to having important conversations on you know, race and culture. And this one is prevalent because um, sadly enough, sometimes 
I hear people even talk about, even in our incessant conversations about these various issues, if you will, Frank, um, there are people who will get frustrated with the community and say all we do is just talk. And I don't think, I think we're highlighting that as well and can't disagree with that sentiment. However, awareness, and some people say, well, there's enough awareness. Where's the action? What I always highlight that if you're not aware of the correct thing, you can't have correct action. And so what I always love to say is um, you can't act right if you don't think right. And so sadly enough, our unawareness of the attraction to the incessant talking about these issues that are not solution, you can't even begin not to do that, right? If you if nobody's ever corrected you and said this is not serving you, like we've went as far on this show, um, you know, highlighting the Buffalo shooting, if you will. Like we we've had therapists break down why we as African Americans shouldn't watch those shootings because unfortunately, you know, obviously what makes this in a sense I'll say more tragic. Obviously, not only just the number of people that were killed, but the fact that it was live streamed. The unfortunate reality is. You know, this is this is becoming the norm, and I would like to highlight the idea that if you're willing to share a video such as that, you're absolutely unaware, and this is where I would love to have the therapist breaking down the psychology of this, but this is where you're unaware of your own bond, your own trauma, because you take a tragedy and want to share it without understanding what harm is being done, not only to those who you share it with, but at the end of the day, we're sending this kind of stuff to our babies. And it's such an impaired way to learn as a youth and becoming an adult. And now the machine can feed those bonds and eat very well off of you despite your lack of success in your own life in some cases, or you can have a politician play to the trauma and not deliver you anything. And I'm just giving my layman viewpoint of what's happening with the psychology and who have to start with the discipline of, I'm not even going to share this type of trauma. Like that's a starting point, even though your nature may be, I want to see it too. Your thoughts on that, again, I would love to have a therapist breaking down the psychology better than I ever could, but that's my layman version of what I learned from the therapist that I work with regularly on why they also suggest that you don't even take part, that that's the first step, that's the first discipline to not getting having the machine play to your emotions. Your thoughts, King? Well, I'll say this. I'm I'm kind of on both sides of it. You know, if you just want to see it, you know, just just to see something, you know, I I'm not a, I I can't co-sign that at all. But I do understand the significance of seeing it. I, I remember I, I live here in Washington D.C. and um, if you ever if if anybody listening, if you ever come here, you know, you should go to the uh, you know you should go to the African American History Museum. And when you go there, you'll see an exhibit for Emmett Till, and they have recreated. Uh, his funeral, you know, they recreated his funeral. They have the casket in there, um, and uh, they have it. It's opened, um, and they have a picture. They have a picture of Emmett Till's face, because if you remember the 
the case that kind of sparked the whole civil rights movement. Right. His mother, his his mother, his mother wanted the world open to see his face. She didn't want the casket closed. Right. She didn't want it closed. She wanted it open because she wanted the world to see what happened to her son, what these men did to her son. And so, because people saw that, they were so outraged that, you know, that there were people who would do this to a young boy. Um, that they said, you know what, okay, now enough is enough. You know, you beat us up, you kicked us around, you pushed us around, but to do this to a little boy who, who we know, know didn't do anything to that woman, um, now it's, now we need to, you know, if not for our sake, for the sake of our children. And so if, if, if you want to see it, um, that should be the motivation. You know, that should be the motivation to see it and want to do something about it. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a trauma bond initially – uh, it's not a bad thing. Every great movement that we've experienced in this country as it relates to our people started off with a trauma bond. It started off with people, whether, they, whether it was the Nation of Islam, whether the Civil Rights Movement, whether it was the Moore Science Temple, the Universal Negro Improvement Association, whatever it was, they started off trauma bonding. We're tired of being treated like this. You know, we don't like what's happening to us, what's being done to us. And because of that, now we're going to organize and and talk about it and with um um to do something about it. But nowadays, you know, you don't see that. You just want to see people. People just want to talk about it with no attempt to say, okay, look, we're we're only talking about it so that we can do something about it. Now it's just it's, it's popular just to be heard, just to have a microphone in front of your face, to be on TV, to have a platform where some people can send you some cash apps or whatever, just because you're talking about it. And, and, uh, and another thing you said, I, I want to comment on that very briefly, how you said that there were people who always asked a question about, well, why are we doing anything about it? Well, you know, all we're doing is talking. You know? um, a lot of times when people who say that, they're the ones not doing anything. <laughs> they're the ones sitting around waiting for something. They're the ones Absolutely. waiting around, looking around for somebody else to do it. They're looking for a Malcolm. They're looking for a Martin. They're looking for a... Uh, a, um, a Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad, whoever it is, they're looking for somebody else to do it. You don't have to do that. You can do it yourself on in your own way, in your own community, in your own household. That's how it starts. You get you right, you get your household right, you get your community right, and then if enough people are doing the same thing, you know, we all can get right. No, I love it. And let me let me talk to some nuance through that because, again, we did a whole show on this with a therapist, right? And so... Um, I think the Emmett Till example is perfect. It's perfect because, again, you're talking about some historical context. Um, I, I'm always an advocate for uh, parents ensuring, specifically for our African-American children here in this country, having uh, a, a, a basically add-on to their education because in the, in the public school education, they're not going to see themselves. They're not going to get enough of, of, of history to, in a sense, esteem themselves as 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 all children need to be esteemed. Right? I do after school program, an international uh, after school program, so I work with all types of kids, if you will, um, or whatever. At the end of the day, parents need to love their children and equip them with the proper esteem to go out and take over the world. And the unfortunate reality with in the public edu- education, typically for African Americans, you're not going to see enough of history, if you will, for the bad or good, that in a sense equips your child with that. So you always recommend, highly recommend that you supplement your child's um, um, education, if not better, being able to attend an African-centered school or even 
um, homeschool, if you will. And, I, and I'm highlighting and pointing it out because, again, I love your Emmett Till example, and I want to add some clarity on what I'm saying when we say don't share it and don't watch it. So the clarity, and, and I've done a video on this specifically, if you will, Frank, where the clarity that I provide is uh, if you're – if a tragedy, one of these tragedies that will quickly get on the news, whether it be a police killing or something of this nature or a Buffalo shooting, when one of these things, you know, hits the national news and hits social media, and what I have highlighted, because, again, I feel where you're coming from, where I've highlighted is if you're in a situation where this is happening in an area where you can, you, your experience and seeing that, again, it is an aspect of trauma, but if, it, it, if you're able to act and you maybe maybe you're in the area where the situation happened, and you can you know if you're a young person, like as you said, they have that spirit. Sometimes they want to um, you know protest or you know or whatever. I'll even say slash riot for that for that you know for for what it will in some situations. Or if you're an older person and you take another approach, if you seeing it causes you to act, then that is a healthy way to in a sense to deal with the trauma that unfortunately relates to you because this trauma has been passed down because of the history of the country. So if you have a way to act, then that is a good way to deal with the trauma. But if you're 500 miles away to 1,000 miles away on the other side of the country and you're now experiencing the mental trauma as if it happened locally, you now are you know, more fearful of your children going out the door and that is your only way that you can deal with it, in that situation, it is best to not watch it because you don't have an action that helps you contend with the trauma. And so I hope I'm being clear in that distinction of what I mean by the not seeing it, not sharing it. If, if, if you can only receive the trauma with no action, in that case, it's best for you to keep your head down and keep building towards whatever you're building to, hopefully the security of your family, the protection of your family, um, getting your hands on, a, you know, in a sense, a level of wealth to add some type of insulation. Again, we know money alone doesn't protect, um, you know, protect you in itself or whatever, but if you're putting yourself in a better circumstances, then seeing the re a video at the wrong time can knock you off your, um, your ladder, if you will, hopefully only briefly, but if you see that too much, it can stagnate you and completely get you off the ladder. So that was kind of the dialogue and the nuance that we were able to have, again, with some therapists who, 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 who again, they were clearer than I'm being about it. I'm just trying to bring some of that to the table in this discussion. Um, actually, Frank, I wanted you to respond, but I'm up against the break. So let me do this break. And I think the cut that I'm finna play, if you're familiar with Charleston White, another popular, um, popular social media guy who I really respect, who I do respect, um, he's on say this cut is from say cheese um, TV. So I think um, he's going to speak to some of what I'm talking about as well. So I definitely want to hear your nuanced dialogue as far as can you act like you said with the Emmett Till and spawn actual action versus just seeing it and not being able to act. Do you think there's a difference there? That's kind of the question to you out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show. Well, all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreg Digital Business Solutions. 
a marketing agency that's well equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emores Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at EmoresDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S dot com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emores Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Lose, lose situation that the fans want to put the rappers in. Absolutely. If they don't do it, we're going to quit listening to you. If you, you do it, it if jail. you do it and go to jail, we're going to quit listening yeah. to you. Exactly. <laughs> but if you make a song from jail, we'll listen to you. Mm. But you got to be telling us about the murder you committed to get in jail. That's all we want to mm. hear about. Tell her about the murder exactly. you did. Fuck all that other shit. <laughs> uh, we, we, we are begging. We are begging for public execution. We watching them. We watching public executions again. We watch 10 black people die. We watch the rappers get killed on cameras. We watching public executions, homie. And we love it like the Romans used to. Kill them! And that motherfucker down there fighting a lion. God damn it, they got a barrel to get him. And they cheering for the animals. Because this man stole some meat. And he got a gladiators. That's what we doing, homie. We now... We like that, that, that white man that used to get a thrill out of watching a nigga hang. And when he get through burning, they go up there and cut his penis off. Give me one of them earls. They did it to Bunny and Clyde. Mm. We have that thirst now. We cheer for a YouTuber to get killed live on YouTube. We want to see it. We want to see it. And we go share it when we see it. With no remorse. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Frank Rivers, views from the Man Cave. This morning's discussion question is, trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? And so, again, just an add-on from Charleston White, breaking down, as he calls it, this thirst that in a sense the culture has in a sense adopted and I, and he highlights, hey, we're not going to necessarily do it ourselves. But there's an aspect of where we're starting to become okay with it. And so, um, Frank, when you offer hey, I kind of see it both ways. Where do you land with the nuance that I tried to bring to the table uh, prior to the break? So, so you know, what you said before the break and, and what the brother Charleston said are, are, are very much on point. Um, we want to be entertained. 
Um, and, and, and so a lot of people, you know, they really, um, they won't say it publicly. They won't say it out in the open, but they've really given up on us as, you know, as far as us, you know, attempting mm-hmm. to really do things to change our situation. And so they know that a lot of us, unfortunately, we just want to be entertained, you know? So if, if, you know, be a, a rapper or, you know, an entertainer could do something and it gets all kind of views. And then when there are people in the community doing certain things, um, you know, it doesn't get the same amount of love. It doesn't get the same amount of views. So, you know, and, and people know that now. They're like, look, why am I sticking my neck out? You know, why am I trying to, to change the narrative um, when nobody cares? You know, but if, but if a rapper that I don't know who's not doing anything positive, not, not giving back, does something, you know, foolish, then everybody, you know, everybody watches it. Everybody's doing a room about it. You know, all the rooms are full. And so, you know, we want to be entertained. And until we get over that, uh, that need to be in a town, I mean, that need to be entertained, uh, that need to be uh, in the in crowd to get all the tea, you know, if, if, if we can't get rid of that thirst, um, we're going to keep saying the same things that we've been saying. Well, it goes back to your post in the first hour, Frank, is the dialogue has to be, well, how do we change it? And so it it has to be a in-the-mirror look at what are we equipping our children with? Because what happens is as much as we talk junk about social media, I don't know that um, – in a, in a, and I do our school program, so if, if this sounds like a judgment, and I'm not, I'm not afraid of this, but you know, just viewing, I've, I've done our school programs in various schools, if you will, you know what I mean. And I'll just say from bad to good. I'll just kind of, you know, use that as the, the the dialogue, if you will. But in doing so, I'm not sure that there's enough discussions inside of homes to ensure that the next generation doesn't just seek entertainment. Because if you think about what Charleston said specifically in that cut, he was highlighting how the culture, if you will, even for the rapper, right, is a lose-lose situation. Like the, 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 basically, the rapper has to basically um, crash, you know, be a crash test dummy and actually go do something dangerous at the, at the, at the wishes of the culture. And I'm highlighting that if it's gotten to that, it's due to what you said in that post, that the job's not being done at home, fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters. And so even when you say, until we change that, I want to have the dialogue about what that looks like in your home. Because I, I know, in a sense, outside looking in, that Frank Rivers is having those conversations with his children. There may be a lot of parents that don't know what that conversation looks like. Because I think social media has to be added conversation. And I think, in my opinion, as an after-school instructor, that a lot of parents are just letting their children be and figure it out for themselves. And these companies are taking full advantage of that trauma. So what are you saying as a parent to your children? What type of additional conversations are you having to have that your parents didn't have to have with you 20 or 30 years ago? Yeah, you you know, you have to get involved. Um, right now, I'm doing this podcast um, for my son's soccer game. You know what I mean? I, 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 yeah. You know, um, um, 
you know, that's why, I, I, you know, you might hear some stuff in the background. That doesn't bother you at all, bro. Um, I, I, I love it. You, you know, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew exactly what was going on, and we, and we are a family show, <laughs> and we respect any, any resemblance of that. You know what I mean? And so we never have problems when I come on while supporting their children because we know we appreciate your time that you're giving to us. Absolutely. And, and, and not just with my children. You know, I, I feel like um, if I can't, I, I, see, I can't talk about things like this and not do anything. And it, and, it, and it just doesn't start, it just doesn't end with my children. Like I understand as a man, as a father, I have to take care of home first. But you know, but it's important for me to, to get involved in the community as well. So I, I mentor a lot of kids. I, I started um, a uh, Men Make a Difference committee on the PTSA board at my kids' school. So my, I'm responsible for getting all the men together, um, you know, to go back into the schools and to, to do events with the kids, um, you know, to, uh, uh, to talk with them. You know, uh, I remember when the documentary came out about the 13th and, and about yeah. the um, – about the Central Park uh, situation, um, you know, when that documentary came out, we actually had an event at the school you know, with some of the older kids, the middle school kids, and we just watched it and we just had a discussion about it. You know, how did this make you feel? What do you think about this? You know, um, and, and so we, and we had discussions with them. And you'd be amazed at the intelligence and, and the passion that these kids have, you know. But right. sometimes we just don't see it because we don't engage them, you know, for whatever exactly. reason. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe we're, we're, we're working. And, you know, we're letting the TV raise them. We're letting rappers raise them and stuff like that. But, you know, if, just giving them the time, you know, giving them the opportunity to let you know how they feel, what's on their mind. Um, you'd be amazed at some of the talent that these kids have. And it's our responsibility to help them foster that, to help them grow it so that they could be a, a positive contribution, um, you know, to their families and to their communities as well. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love engaging. You know, my, I mean, right now I do the younger, younger children, so we don't even volunteer those situations because they're, you know, they, I'm, I, I've, I've done, I do anywhere from kindergarten to sixth grade, and this year I've been with mostly the younger children. Um, but I love that example. Like you said, um, you really are trying to be that village, not just your children alone. And, and I, would, I would love it, um, again, if the parents are having the right conversations with just their children alone, but even more so big enough. And I always highlight that, that there are plenty of African-American men out here like Frank who – I don't know any good brothers who are not doing it above and beyond their own family. Um, but when you have these moments, like I said, I love that, that opportunity and doing those type of things because when you have a Buffalo situation uh, or a, 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 a George Floyd, if you will, the quote that everybody sends around, and I've sent this around as well, so I'm guilty of this as well, but the quote that quite often goes around by James Baldwin is, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all the time. I've sent that quote sometimes. Again, I don't get too engaged, and I definitely don't watch the videos. I don't need to see another one of us, in a sense, killed to want to be active and help my community. That's unnecessary for me. Again, we've already kind of had that dialogue. But speaking specifically to that quote, as I was getting ready for this show, it came back up, and I always love how the universe does this. Whatever we're preparing for, the universe sets something in my, you know, sets something that I can use for the show. And so, in in that quote, kind of popping up as I was getting ready for this show, I saw this um, this other aspect, and and what it said was, the quote, while strong, there's other context that quite often gets left out. And the additional part of that quote, and Frank, I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. The additional part of that quote is where Baldwin says, the whole quote is, to be a Negro in this country 
And to be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all the time. The additional part that we leave out or don't share on social media is the challenge of that anger is how to control that rage so that it won't destroy you. The challenge of that anger is how to control that rage so that it won't destroy you. That's the trauma. That's the bondage. Or if we leave it to our children to process this stuff on their own, sometimes we get scared of having the dialogue because of our fears that you were talking about earlier, Frank, the fears of we don't want them to be angry or whatever, but the anger can destroy you. Their unwillingness to compete or participate can come from thinking, I have no chance. And without proper dialogue and proper context from us as adults, us as parents, that's the risk. So taking the quote out of context speaks to the very thing we're discussing right now, Frank. Absolutely. You know, um, and I've, I've heard that quote before. I've heard him quote it, and it's true. You know, you can't live in this world and have a certain degree of consciousness and see everything that's going on and, and be comfortable with that and not be upset, um, you know, at the system and at us, you know, for for allowing it to go on as long as we have without really doing a lot of stuff about it. And so, but, yeah, you, you have to figure out how to channel that anger um, and, 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 and what to do with it. And, and, the best, and the best thing to do with that anger, with that energy, is to just pour it in your community and don't terrorize your community. A lot of people – you know, we, we terrorize each other because um, we terrorize one another because we feel like we're, we're being terrorized. You know, we're being disenfranchised. We're being disrespected. And we can't, we can't disrespect these other groups of people because they're not going to tolerate it. You know what I mean? And so we feel like, okay, so what do we do with the energy? Well, what we will do with it is we'll take everything that's been done to us and we'll do it to one another. You know what I mean? And so um, – and we think that it's going to help because because we're getting that energy out, we're getting it off. But at the end of the day, it's making our situation better, and and it's I mean it's making it worse because other people are saying, well, look, if this is how y'all treat each other, you know, how how can you get upset at a certain at other groups of people treating black women the way that they treat them if they see you treating them the same way? And so you have to you have to ask yourself you have to ask yourself real questions um, and get real answers. So the best way to deal with that frustration with that anger is just to pour it back into your community so much so that because you know you don't want the next generation coming up or you don't want anybody else around you to feel that to feel that same that same anger. And so you you want to help you want to give back you want to obviously. We have to talk about it, but you just don't want to get to a point where that's all you're doing. You know, have forms like this. Bring in professionals. You know, you could do it in your community um, and come up with a plan and say, look, you know, we don't want these brothers, uh, we don't want these young men to go this route. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give them something to occupy their time so they don't have time to think about running out on the street and doing things that they should do because they have constructive things that we've set up um, where they can occupy their time, where they can learn and grow um, and that will help them to be better. And so that's how you do it. I, you, you, you're right to be angry. You're right to end up be frustrated. But you have to use it in the right way so that, you know, nobody coming up behind you will have to feel that level of frustration and anger, at least as much as, as, not as much as you have. 
No, I love it. And and, and, I, and I love how you called out the people that, as you said, are quick to say, well, look at how they're acting or just dogging the young people out. These kids today are the people that are complaining and not putting in things in place. So they want to point the finger, but you're not doing anything and faulting them. I hate the term these kids today. Um, Bobby Knight said, um, you know, if, if you know his history, he says these, these parents today, I stole that from him, these parents today. And, and so if you're just complaining and not, like you said, telling the anger into helping. And I'm going to give an example coming out of this break, um, again, just so that we're not simply talking incessantly. There's actions that can be had. You can channel the anger just like Frank is telling you. For the callers out there, we'd love to get you our thoughts. See a couple of callers out there. Um, you know, get in here and give us some of your three cents this morning. We definitely love to hear from the people. I'm actually surprised that we're not hearing from the people today. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um, this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question is trauma bonding beneficial or detrimental to the black community? Our special guest is Frank Rivers, views from the Man Cave. If you want to get in on this discussion, please give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that there's not a huge benefit. However, I love how Frank pointed out that some of our biggest movements historically have come from a situation that, in a sense, may have created a trauma bond. And so what that has turned into, unfortunately, is even some of those historical moments, what I would offer, Frank, is unfortunately, um, I'm, I'm again, a big advocate of really understanding history, um, just in my opinion, if you better understand history, it, it helps you move forward. And I think um, our lack of digging into actually what was done, if you will, quite often 
historically um, hurts us in the sense that, as you mentioned earlier, we, we a situation may happen, we'll begin talking about it, and it's almost to a degree if we're waiting for the next Malcolm or the next Martin to come because of uh, our limited viewpoint of even their history. Malcolm being, you know, my hero, Malcolm X is my hero, right? My personal hero. Uh, many of the listeners know I've, you know, I've read over 15 books on Malcolm. That's my hero. And so digging into that history, um, digging into Martin Luther King's history specifically, not just the version that's shared with us in January, right? And it's to dig into the history that actually could give us context on how to get active like you're suggesting. Because quite often without studying that specific history, you don't understand what activism actually includes. And that's why, as you said, it could be a lot of people saying, hey, I'm going to talk about this tragedy. I can get followers. I can get cash apps. And my activism is just talking about it because quite often we look at even, you know, using those giants, if you will, we look at a lot of their dialogue today and make assumptions that it was just the dialogue alone and we don't specifically dig into the activism. Um, so something I love to highlight, and I think it just kind of is very fitting because this past Wednesday, on the, I'm, I'm sorry, this past Thursday on the Just My Three Sentence podcast, I challenged, if you will, the hip-hop culture to, to, in a sense, grow up, grow up from this standpoint in reference to, if, if you will, what happened to, Young Thug being indicted and what all can come from that. And as you said, people popping up and doing a bunch of rooms. And I highlight it for those of us that are around my age. I'm 48. I'm the exact same age as hip-hop, if you will. And so um, even people my age are not quick, if you will, to denounce the activities of a of, of a YSL or a young thug, I'm talking about from the standpoint of, you know, if what they've allegedly been accused of actually ends up being the case, people my age, we're not quick to denounce because we came up under the perspective that we don't deal with the police or whatever. So we disregard the harm that this gang was causing in the community and won't even speak down, we won't even speak down on it. And so I'm trying. If you listen, if you're following where I'm going here, I'm talking about the the misuse of thinking is just about what you say and what you talk talk about. So in one one hand, we won't even talk down on things that we probably need to. On the other hand, we will simply just talk and never dig into the history to find out that a lot of what Martin Luther King was doing in the South the activities of how he was actually going to prison over 40 times, receiving the death threats every day. And today we'll look at that that time and say, well, I agree with Malcolm's rhetoric and don't agree with Martin's rhetoric and simply vilify it or disagree with it over the rhetoric and not look at the actions. Because there's this one article that I love to highlight in January of every, every year, even though Malcolm is my hero about what Martin actually did. It's just one article written by somebody who experienced the times from their relative viewpoint and they highlighted before Martin did what he did they was having to step off the sidewalk when a white person walked along they was risk having to go to jail just for talking too loud around a white woman that he, the article highlights that you know they would have their get-togethers and if 
the police came looking for somebody or in, in addition to maybe the Ku Klux Klan, if they came looking for somebody, all the men would have to carry down and say, well, we haven't seen them, boss. And that, 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 that that's the battery that Martin was able to, in a sense, put in the South backs and get their respectability back because M- Martin and his actions showed the Ku Klux Klans of all people, we're we going to come for our issue even if you kill us because prior to Martin doing that, the culture, what they, what they, what white America would do in KKK specifically, they would wreak havoc because that demonstration of coming to kill this person or that person or coming with the cross would actually get us back in line because we were afraid of death. Martin's actions made the dignity that he always spoke to appear because we were no longer afraid of death. So I went on a long monologue. monologue. I'm hoping I'm making sense here, but I'm highlighting that understanding what actually happened in the history would, in my opinion, move us to act different and not just jump on these platforms just to have discussions and dialogue only with no action to, um, you know, uh, come after these dialogues. Any thoughts on a lot of what I was dropping there? Again, I hope I hope that context makes sense, Frank. I said a lot, but just want to hear your thoughts on that, King. Sure. Um, another incredible event um, just happened as well this past week. Um, Wednesday was was Haitian uh, Haitian Flag Day, and, right. um, and I want to I want to say shout out to all the all the Zoes out there and. And shout out to Haiti. I actually had a chance to go to Haiti um, a few months ago. Uh, and it was one of the greatest trips I've ever been on in my life. And, um, and it was very important for me to go. Um, you know, when I go to Miami, I always go to Little Haiti as well. And, you know, it's a certain type of energy with them. It's a fearlessness. It's a, you know, I'm not afraid to die type of energy. And when you look historically, you see where that comes from. We know about 1804. We know about the Haitian Revolution. We know what these with what these uh, people were able to do um, when the odds were stacked against them, you know, because they were just tired of being tired, and 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 they got and they wanted to get past, uh, you know, the a trauma bond, and they wanted to do something about their situation. So at the end of the day, um, you know, we we have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to hold. We have to hold ourselves accountable. I know it's easy to point at the rappers. It's easy to point at the entertainers mm-hmm. and say they should be better. But they're only a product of us. They're a product of our energy, of our consciousness, because we're the ones buying the records. We're the ones requesting the songs on the radio. We're the ones going to the concerts. We're, we're the ones who are dressing like and emulating these artists. So what the labels, so and what you do when you do that is you're saying, look, I like this. I want you to keep doing it. I want more of it. And so right. if, if you want if you want them to be better, then you have to be better. You know, if, if they're saying certain things, we have to be the ones to say, look, man, I'm not going to support you talking about black women like that. I'm not going to support you calling black women out their name, you know, every two or three bars, man. And if you're going to keep doing that, that's your right. You're a grown man. You can do what you want, but we're not going to support you. You know what I mean? And we're going to cause we're going to cause problems for you. That's what every other group of people does, um, and that's what we should do in our own communities. You know, um, and so once we do that then it's not the, the entertainers affecting us. We, we affect them. We're the ones who, who, uh, who monetize them. We make them rich. So if, if we change, then they have to change if they want to make money. So it, it, it starts to end with us. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. And again, you know, and you know, me even me pointing out the you know on the show, I definitely gave the clarity that I'm not even laying the feet, the blame, you know, at the feet of the artist, if you will. What I would, what I was, you know, just to highlight this, I was particularly highlighting the actual actions of the 1% of the 1% of our community who are actually out here causing havoc and causing harm. And, 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 and I was challenging, in a sense, if you will, the hip-hop culture to at least grow up and distinguish because even our quote-unquote gangster rappers of our era, they were, for the most part, smart enough to completely separate you know, whatever you thought was in the music and the messaging, if you will, because I do agree with you on that on that point. But I did I, I highlighted that they were smart enough to separate from what they were actually rapping about. And so, um, in my opinion, it becomes smart for us to speak down on the action that we don't want. Again, not laying the feet at the blame of the. I, I'm a, I'm I'm the, I'm I'm sorry. I'm against laying the blame at the artist's feet or the young people's feet. That's I'm absolutely against that. So I'm with you on that 100%. I am highlighting what I think we're saying the same thing. I'm just trying to, you know, add some extra distinctions in there. I'm highlighting that we need to speak to the actual actions that we don't want. And I think people my age that have been part of the hip-hop culture, sometimes we are less likely to speak on down on what we don't want, like the example that you just gave, right? Like we, there's a, you know, there's an aspect of feeling hypocritical if we say, "Dog, you don't speak down on the women," and we grew up with bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. So we tend to, in our own immaturity, even though we've lived out the results of that type of culture, right? In our own immaturity, we tend to not speak down on it. And I think you, you and I both agree, we should speak down on it, despite having experienced that as well. Does that make sense? Just trying to give, again, some nuance and trying to distinguish what needs to be done versus sometimes our unwillingness to speak down, like you said, other cultures will do. Again, not at the children, but look in the mirror ourselves and prepare the children by looking in the mirror ourselves. I think we're on the same page there. I just don't know if I'm making it clear. Absolutely. We're definitely on the same page. You know, I don't like when you know, the older generations look at the younger generations and, 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 and act like they're better than them. You know what I mean? I, I'm an 80s baby, you know, an early 80s baby. And so I can look at these kids and say, well, well you know you know what? These kids are wilding out. They're all out in the street. You know, they're doing drugs. They're doing this. But look at some of the things that they're emulating. They're emulating Scarface. That came up in my era. They're emulating New Jack City. That was in my era. You know, they're emulating guys like, you know, uh, Alpo and, and, and certain street cats, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those guys were popular in my era. That was my era that did that. You know what I mean? The 80s, the 90s. Um, the drug, drugs haven't, drugs didn't just pop up out of nowhere, but they've been here. And, 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 and they were prevalent in our time. You know, actually, for as much as we like to come down on these women, you know, uh, teenage pregnancy is down. You know what I mean? It's it was, down. It, it was, Absolutely. It's down right now. You know what a I mean? It was, it was a it was a pandemic. It was an epidemic when we were coming up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So absolutely, we don't have a right. We don't have a right to look at these, you know, young brothers and sisters and, and look at them with with uh, disdain and disrespect because we haven't really given them the best um, platform to stand on. And a lot of things that they're doing, we did them too. They're just doing what we did in their own way. You know what I mean? The hustle has is, is the same. 
you know, just the style of clothes and how they act and their slang is different, but they're doing some of the same things that we're doing. And so, you know, we don't have a right to look down on them. So I, I think we have to take accountability and responsibility and look at ourselves first and say, look, you know, what do we create? What are we um, supporting? What are we allowing? What do we allow to to grow? And then, you know, once we look in the mirror and look at ourselves, and that's going to help us to help them. But we can't look at them like like we were better than them or, or, or we were just so great as a group of people, and they just went away from, you know, from all the great things that we gave them because that's simply not true. Yeah, we get we get we we trauma bond in that perspective. You feel me? Like speaking to today's discussion, that in itself becomes a trauma bond where all the adults are getting a guy. You know, especially like I said, this is it's just it's just a game with a different style, as you said, right? Like not owning that allows us to to trauma bond and do nothing. The issue. That's the issue. So the accountability, we don't, we're not even willing to own what it looks like for us. I'm going to go to this last break, get your closing thoughts. Thank you for banging out this two hours with me while you're at your son's game. Um, but just appreciate the dialogue because, again, um, we will waste the time saying, look at these kids today and won't say, well, what do we, what message should we give them different so they don't repeat our mistakes. So definitely want to get the closing thoughts on solutions in that perspective, because we're, we're constantly saying throughout this show, stop trauma bonding. Here's now, here's what's next. And that's what I want to offer coming out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Making Money Matter Mondays, one of the proudest events that we do via Zoom. You do have to DM us via the IG page, mental underscore dialogue, or DM me on the Facebook page. I got a per- personal page and the Mental Dialogue Facebook page if you want access to the Zoom or you can become a member of the Mental Dialogue Community Club and get access to all of our private Zooms. Um, but I love the work we're doing with um, 
Dr. Trina Pittman, psychotherapist, as well as Ashley Thomas, CEO of Making Money Matters. Uh, a lot of issues you have with your finances are related to your mental health problems, whether you recognize it or not. And so love having those dialogues and opportunities for people to get um, sessions with Ashley or Dr. Pittman in either area. So love highlighting that event. Today's discussion, trauma bonding, beneficial or detrimental to the African-American community. Special guest Frank Rivers' views from the man cave. And I want to share one of your other thoughts. I think that relates to this morning's discussion that you posted on Facebook, Frank, and wanted to hear you speak to this. Um, because as I said before the break, um, I don't even think we're recognizing that a lot of these discussions are, in fact, trauma bonding. So we just jump into them without being unaware. And I hope that this dialogue will challenge people to look at some of the things that they do in order to not be a part of the trauma bonding because there's no solutions in it. Um, but you said this uh, recently as well on Facebook. People will take any popular narrative and flip it or only focus on pieces of it to suit their own trauma and frustrations. Even if it wasn't designed for them, the content can't be controlled once it's out there. Anyone can take it and run with it in a dark way. I think that aptly applies to this morning's discussion, King. Um, your thoughts about your, about your own thoughts. Absolutely. So, you know, when you are somebody who, you, you know, you have a gift and you're talented and, and, you're, and you're popular, or, or even if you're not, like if a lot of people don't know you, but you do really good work, you know, people will spin the narrative of what you're trying to say um, to, to suit their own needs. We see it all the time. You know, you, you see it religiously. You know, every denomination is just someone else's interpretation of, what they, of, of the same book that everybody else read. So I interpreted it this way. I think this based off of what I read. And so I'm going to create my own, you know, denomination. I'm going to create my own way of thought. And so a lot of people, and so, and when I wrote that, I was, I was talking about uh, Kevin Samuels because I, I think at his heart, I think he was really just trying to bring people together, but he was just trying to be brutally honest. That's what I meant. And, and, and I think that because of where we are as a people, he understood that he couldn't do that in a nice way. He couldn't softly say, you know, a lot of men feel like, you know, ladies, you're, you know, you don't really qualify for the type of guy that you want. And he felt like he wouldn't have the same effect if he said it softly. So he said it in a way that was that created an uproar so that people would come into the room and listen. But there are other groups of people who who would take that, you know, the incel community, the, the you know, red pillars, MGTOW, whatever, would take what he's saying and try to use it to fit their narrative. And he never – you know, associating mm-hmm. himself with being a red pillar. He never said he was red pill or make towel or, or save yourself black man or any of that. So, you know, but they took what he said. They took parts of what he said. They didn't take the part where he said a man is supposed to pay for everything, where a man is supposed to go out here and work 60, 70 hours a week, and if he wants to be the boss, he has to, he has to pay a cost for that. They didn't take that part. They took the part where he was saying that women need to do certain things, and they created a whole – a subgenre of what he was trying to do to suit their own needs, and that's what I was talking about. So um, I don't want to ramble, but, yeah, but, you know, when you're doing something positive, people will take bits and pieces of it and will turn it into something that is not to suit needs that you're trying, uh, that you're not even trying to, you know, to speak to or trying to promote. So just know that as a content creator, it's, it's frustrating, but it happens, and I, I just wanted people to be aware of that if they weren't already. Nah, fair enough, fair enough, and and, and I'm and I and I, what I hear out of that 
ultimately is something that we always say is, you know, take the meat, spit out the bone. And I would highlight that as as a culture, and this is an American culture thing. I'm not even saying this part is just black black community when you start talking about social media and what social media, you know, those who are advertising to us, uh, you know, their intent is for us to be on these phones all, of the, all day. They understand that psychology, and so they cater to that. So this ends up becoming an American culture issue. Uh, but, but, again, in your unawareness, you could be on the phone, one, not just only too long, but also get used to bonding in a way where you no longer learn how to critically think and take the meat, spit out the bone. Like, so once, once you have the inability because you, you know, anything, anything that you want to do in life, you can practice it. You can learn discipline through practice. You can learn lazy, believe it or not, people learn laziness through practice, whether they, they, they don't, they don't necessarily set out and create goals to be lazy, right? But it's something, you, anything that's a habit that you're not cool with, even in your own life, if you look at the psychology of how it developed, it typically happens because of repeated things that now became normal, and now it's your habit, and your body tends to do whatever your habit is. Your habit can be good or bad, but the psychology actually plays out the same way, whether you recognize it or not. So I'm highlighting that this aspect of trauma bonding, if you're unaware, you won't figure out the process to walk you out of why you, why you were spending so much time on your phone because you spent that time because before you did that, before it was a habit, you started doing it more and more and you kind of positioned your, the psychology of your brain to want more of it. And so, again, if you have someone taking advantage of you as Frank has just mentioned, spinning your their narrative to fit what they want to say, you resonate with it, unaware of, spit out the bone, keep the meat only. So they take advantage of you and without good intentions, spin a narrative that's not serving you, only serving their pockets, and you're completely unaware of it. And again, I'm just doing my best job, my layman job, of you know what that looks like in the mind again you know um, typically just again if you're a first time listener we would have a professional on this breaking that down better than I ever could but I didn't want to do this show without trying to speak to the psychology because again we are mental dialogue so with that said brother I think I appreciate you very much um, for being with us today uh, I want to give you, you know, one last thought just to kind of close it out, let people know how they can stay in contact with you. Thanks for holding me down. Uh, we got some callers out there. I guess they're enjoying what we're saying. They didn't want to speak today. Um, not, I'm not used to this, so it's kind of weird for me to get a whole show with no callers. Um, this is for, really, I can't remember the last time this happened. Um, with that said, brother, one quick thought. Let them know how they can stay in contact with you. I recommend you follow this brother. I learned so much, and he's raising my personal level of masculinity, if you will, I can admit that, and ultimately raising the culture, which is our goal. Go ahead, King. Appreciate you today. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Um, I love this platform. I love this brother. Um, I love what he's doing, and um, I, just wanted, I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I wanted to say exactly. it to you publicly in front of everybody. Um, you know, y'all can find me everywhere. I'm on, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Clubhouse, YouTube, all of that. On most of those platforms, 
type in my name, Frank Rivers, or View from the Man Cave, um, you know, you can get in contact with me. Just, you know, you know, I tap in. Um, I'll do the same. Um, and just as, as far as the topic, of, you know, trauma bonding is not um, – initially, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing, but you can't stay there. You know, you need right. to – you need to bond. You need to talk about things. You need to vent. You need to, uh, you know, get some frustrations out, some concerns out. But don't stay there, you know, and don't allow people to keep you there to manipulate you out of your money, your time, and your energy. So um, that's all I would say. Use it as a platform, as a springboard to actually do something, to change the narrative, to change your condition. Uh, so that's all I have. And thank you, man. It's, all, it's a pleasure always. No, thank you, man. That's a great closing. We're out of here. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.